Ahoy, you're listening to Diffuse Tap with Kenny Estes and Isla Krem. Today, we're chatting with Eric Bremen, partner at New Way Capital. That's N-E-W-A-Y for those playing along at home. We're going to be talking about the link between cities and wealth generation, why cities no longer serve the purpose they originally meant to, and what creating a new city looks totally off the wall, but I love it. Enjoy. Welcome back, everybody. Nice to see you. A lot of new faces. Um, so some of you might be a little confused as to what's going on. So here is a agenda. There you go. This is a weekly event. This is the 178th time we've done this. It's every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central. So feel free to chuck the calendar in by then. Just come every week. Um, we are going to ever so briefly talk about Diffuse Tap, the event you're in right now. And then we're going to talk about Diffuse Funds, the group putting it on. Um, but we are then going to have a fireside chat with Mr. Eric Bremen talking about the future of cities. And then we're going to do two more tap rooms, kind of similar to what you just experienced because Diffuse Tap is primarily networking. There's a chance for you to meet other alternative investors, pretty heavy on the crypto, I'm not going to lie, um, in small groups of four or five or six, something along those lines, and just see what comes out of it. We do want you to learn a little bit with your time here with us, which is why we have folks like Mr. Bremen on to share some insights to us. If you like the networking portion of this, we do in-person versions that kind of casual, grab a drink, meet a bunch of people sort of situation. November 1st in Chicago land, Landon Top is help, is helping us host one. So if you're in Chicago on November 1st, come on down, uh, see in 3D those you have seen in 2D. Diffuse Funds is a fund platform. And uh, the primary push right now is our Diffuse Digital 30 product, which is a market cap weighted index fund of the top 30 cryptocurrencies. It's simple, secure access um, in a publicly listed vehicle. So do let us know um, if you want to learn more about that. And actually, we uh, are currently offering a profit share. So you can share in our profits um, for participating kind of relatively early. But that's enough about us. Lots here from Mr. Eric Bremen. Eric, would you mind unmuting yourself, telling the good folks a little bit about your background and what you're up to over at New Way Capital? Sure. Thank you very much. Um, it's Eric Bremen, born and raised in Venezuela originally. I started New Way Capital in 2013 with the intention of finding the highest impact investments I could direct capital towards. I had recently sold a tech startup. And I uh, was really looking to dedicate the rest of my life making very, very, very high impact investments, looking also for high returns. Uh, that led me to discover um, or rediscover the work I had done while being a student of economics for how important uh, governance is in determining whether societies are prosperous or not. And we embarked upon a thesis that said that we could develop a fund and investment strategy focused on solving the problem of uh, poverty and prosperity through governance. And that led us to realize that, uh, yes, indeed, it's, it's quite possible, potentially extremely profitable. And, and it's done through the creation of new cities, which is what I'm looking forward to speaking more about. Uh, Eric, I don't get it. So cities and prosperity, there's a connection here, um, not my area of expertise. So explain it to me, uh, like, how are those actually connecting the dots? And how does it like, what is the how does this work from a logistical point of view? Sure, happy to. 
um, for 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 many many reasons the height of human prosperity occurs when enough of us collaborate in you know large enough areas and with a lot of uh, synergies which they're called cities you know a lot of us come together so the fact that humans are maximally efficient and productive at city scale is well established the the issue is when we started to research what would unleash the greatest amount of wealth uh, governance is the main the main driver of prosperity at a generalized level so if if, if i were to show you a graph of every country in the world laid out according to the ease of doing business score, which is a good aggregate for whether or not they're being good governments. And on the other axis, GDP per capita, the correlation is the strongest correlation between any two factors associated with prosperity. So good governance drives higher prosperity, but how do you deliver good governance? Who's in charge? Typically, is national governments with different layers of subnational governments. Trying to do reform at the national level is extremely difficult. So our starting point in partnership at the time with Babson College, it was to realize that new cities are being uh, built and need to be built uh, for the coming decades, given the mass growth of population and migration towards urban environments. So new cities were a necessity and were already happening. Better governance was the key missing element for catalyzing far greater prosperity. Why not, in the building of new cities, inject and ensure that the layer of governance is also properly designed? Just as we spend a lot of time master planning, you know, for a Songdol type city, you know, we believe that a lot of time had to be spent in master planning the ideal governance structures so that cities could become drivers of economic prosperity as well as beneficiaries thereof. So cities are the delivery method of good governance at a scale that allows it to be a for-profit investment. You know, good governance equals prosperity, prosperity equals the city's worth a lot more. If you've invested in the city upfront, then it, it follows that you're monetizing uh, prosperity through good governance. Interesting. So that's a real estate style investment. So then you're quantifying, because this seems to be a very quantitative approach you're using here. Uh, prosperity is what GDP per capita? Are we using one of these more traditional? Because prosperity is obviously a very ambiguous term, right? Yes. Uh, one way to measure it is uh, GDP per capita. Obviously, as an economic development person, you don't just look at that. You know, mm -hmm. The Gini coefficient is super important, but so are other indicators of generalized well-being well-being like health and education but gdp per capita is a, you know a, a good proxy okay so gdp per capita is a reasonable proxy for what we're talking about when we talk about prosperity and the governance principles that you're really trying to drive home here would be no corruption kind of libertarian free trade style strategies or kind of like maybe expand on that a little bit for sure no corruption but it's it's quite simply the establishment of public institutions that protect private property and individual rights and these you know those are the two key pillars individual rights and property rights obviously lack of corruption but equally if not more important is the ability to resolve uh, disputes between good actors and the provision of security in the event that you have bad actors that don't want to abide by contracts or or arbitration decisions yeah 
All right. So my 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 kind of glib statement, which is also very true, is private rights don't mean anything unless ultimately there's somebody with a gun who's going to enforce them. Right. And so what you're saying is that the governance we're talking about here is actually the the policing system to protect those rights if people aren't going to respect them in an appropriate way. Is that part of it? It, it definitely is. Um, what happens is that there are public private partnerships that have been going on forever. Uh, that that are focused on the physical domain. Okay, let's build a bridge because a build, you know, a bridge is important. It's going to help mm. commerce or an airport or whatever. Uh, what we're doing is starting first with saying let's build a public-private partnership to deal with governance, and that is a full stack. The good, you know, the development of good rules and efficient administration thereof, the ability to resolve disputes through arbitration and other voluntary means. And as you mentioned, also the administration of the security system so that bad actors that would otherwise not comply are, are in, in, insured. We ensure that they're complying. Yeah. Okay. So public, private, private partnership. So there's always a concern when you have private people, especially involved in pro, uh, pro, uh, private property rights and security, uh, the, the line between kind of warlord and uh, kind of an actual governance system is pretty fine at some point. So kind of how do you think about where the, the bounds are for that uh, partnership? Yes. Where are you? Uh, is this kind of more back, you know, uh, back of the envelope right now? Or do you actually have a functioning kind of system that you've sewn up? Perfect. Um, Indeed, you, you you separate the two: the provider governance services versus you know private property developers. And the to answer the latter question is, it's not back of the napkin. We're actually building the first city under this structure uh, on the island of Roatan on the Western Caribbean. It belongs to the country of Honduras, but it's very similar to in in its economic stage for you to get a sense to where Cayman was maybe 15, 20 years ago. So we're we're actually building the city. I live in it. Uh, you know, I'm in a villa with a golf course right outside that is part of the development. Uh, we're building office buildings, mixed use buildings. So it's it's an actual city in the making. And the way we address the first question that you brought up is we divide governance from real estate. Real estate is is a separate endeavor. It's a you know development company. It would be the equivalent of let's say Gale International for those of you familiar with Songdo uh, in South Korea. So it's a real estate development company with a very unique strategy of land banking initially and then investing in catalyst projects with the view that because of the governance layer, which I'll get to, what starts as as a greenfield site in a poorly governed region can emerge as a future mini Hong Kong or mini Singapore, or mini Dubai, as the case may be. You know, the small but very, very, very efficiently run jurisdictions at the city scale. So the private developers doing all that, running the, you know, the real estate, the governance entity is independent from, and it's made up of representatives, uh, some of which are from a development board, others are elected by the residents and companies that are participating in the jurisdiction. So you do have a division between governance and real estate development, but the governance division itself is structured from the get-go as a public-private partnership with for-profit potential. Okay. Um, interesting. And you were going to talk more about the, the actual governance, like logistics for this particular kind of, go ahead, please. 
disclosure. Yes. So on the gov- on the governance side, what do we mean by governance? As I mentioned, you know, good rules and administration thereof, and justice and security. So what are the rules? There are regulations that apply uh, generally for day-to-day life, which are minimal, minimal, minimal. And then for highly regulated industries elsewhere in the world, there is a fully reciprocal regulatory system whereby a company can set up within the jurisdiction indicate what regulation they're going to be following from OECD and that is automatically deemed uh, legal within within the special jurisdiction the the resolution of disputes is through a private arbitration center the collection of taxes is online uh, the application of permits licensing to the extent that they apply and and it's basically all done through insurance is online so it's a it's it's a minimalistic governmental bureaucracy maximizing freedom and innovation as a driver of economic activity. We, we, you know, the jurisdiction staffs that administration through a private contract with private companies who are um, fulfilling the administrative requirements uh, with a profit uh, mindset, you know, within the four corners of the agreement. So everything is being run uh, contractually for profit and in a privatized model which we believe is a lot more efficient than if it were uh, fully public and bureaucratic. Understood. Okay, that makes sense. I'm going to pick up some questions here from the chat. First one from Daryl. Blockchain, blockchain, blockchain. Are you, uh, you know, you're talking property rights and tracking these things. Are you using digital assets in any way um, right now or is just more blocking and tackling traditional um, The We are developing the property registry itself to be fully blockchain enabled. Uh, the main architectural decision that we have to make right now is which blockchain. And uh, because we, as a as a jurisdiction, fully accept uh, Bitcoin and other major cryptos like uh, stable coins, there is discussion of whether or not we should be using the Bitcoin blockchain as the ultimate uh, blockchain where everything gets registered and validated, obviously using some layer two uh, interfaces. Right. Okay. Um, so yes, it is on the roadmap yes. that you're definitely more friendly to cryptocurrencies as a currency um, and then working Correct. stuff. Okay. 100%. Uh, you mentioned the Janai, Jenny, I actually don't know how to pronounce that, um, inequality factors. Uh, this is a question from Will Hogan. Can you expand more about, uh, obviously, uh, one of the big knocks on libertarian ideals as a general rule is is uh, the the lower class obviously gets pretty pretty banged up in that scenario. So how are you viewing inequality? Um, are you putting safety nets in place? Like, what are you, how are you trying to deal with this? Yeah, um, we are demolishing the drivers of inequality, uh, which doesn't mean that there won't be inequality from time to time. It means that there's a lot more fluidity between the various socioeconomic layers. So by removing regulatory obstacles and artificial barriers to even getting started or being able to compete, you know, by making sure that there are level playing fields, open marketplaces without legally imposed monopolies, that in essence means that the little guys always have an advantage because they can innovate more rapidly, more cheaply, and then in those ways outcompete the incumbents. But that is only true if you really remove substantially the barriers to entry and the friction of operating. Um, as the case is, the business model of building a city as an economic engine, but doing so for profit, it heavily incentivizes that there is a diffused level of prosperity because you get a much bigger customer base this way. So if you, if you say, okay, I'm running a city 
how do I make the city be the most valuable city that could possibly be? It's not going to be by having just a handful of billionaires and everybody else is dirt poor. It's by having a, a, a widely spreading middle class, as well as you know very high net worth individuals and very affordable cost of living opportunities. So to fill the, the entire spectrum. Gotcha. Okay. So really allowing the mobility and allowing people to kind of work through and grow their net worth as it were. Um, and, and not granting any form of legal privilege to, you know, economic incumbents. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Um, a little bit more turnover there. Um, how are you financed? So far we've uh, structured the company very much as a, as a startup would have done in the beginning, a seed round, a series A, and uh, we recently finished our series B. The enterprise of governance as a service is structured more as a tech startup uh, operating business, uh, whereas the real estate development company, though it's it's a it's a development company, not a real estate fund, is structured cl- more closely with what you would expect in a in a real estate fund because we we hope to take it to a public listing in the next five years. As a okay, so this is really a re long term play, but you're doing okay more traditional venture financing with the real estate. I love that. that. That makes a lot of sense. Kind of real estate for the real estate investors and venture style for the venture style investors. Correct. Culture. How do you think about culture? Obviously, there's a common theme here of kind of the monetary financial metrics when you're looking at this this uh, city, but there's a lot more that goes into city. It's like, what are your kind of cultural initiatives and how are you trying to, to branch into that or expand on that? Um, well, I think so. I think a culture uh, as both and a very significant input to an economic system such as a city would be, uh, but it's also a very important output of the system that you establish. So they, they reinforce each other. Undoubtedly, uh, productivity is heavily influenced by the work ethic of a particular culture, if you will. So incentivizing meritocracy and um, self-reliance and you know, wealth creation is important as a culture and, and finding pride in the process of creation and problem solving. Um, so th- that that is at the core of the principles that we uh, believe in and therefore promote. Um, but the system itself affects the culture significantly. If you have a system such as the one that we have built that um, incentivizes meritocracy and um, penalizes any form of cronyism or, or corruption, then those that over time succeed are the ones that are going to be flowing with the way the system is designed. If conversely, you have a system that incentivizes, let's say, redistribution through lobbying efforts, then obviously you're going to be motivating a class of people that invest a lot of their efforts and money to lobby politicians as a very high impact way to get benefits, which is what happens, unfortunately, let's say in the US where, where lobbying in that way is, uh, is legalized. So culture is fundamental to drive results, but is also an output of the system you set up. And I think of those as very synergistically. Interesting. Okay. Well, I think we could talk about this for a very long time, but we're not going to. Uh, we're going to do tap rooms. So here's a uh, little bit of a uh, words tricky, uh, rough sketch of how you can do the tap rooms. It is networking, not pitching. Please be respectful of that and each other. We do not do um, full participant lists for privacy reasons. So swap details in the chat if you connect with somebody and you want to connect with them offline or join the telegram group introduce yourself generally folks introduce themselves so they don't know each other um, and then discuss the topic for a little while uh, the topic is what is the best run city you've ever lived in i'll, uh, I'll give you mine 
probably Singapore was the <laughs> best old machine I've ever lived in. Um, I'll pop you into rooms now and we'll see you back here in 10 minutes. All right. I see a lot of smiles, um, which means that those were good conversations, which is great. And I see more smiles now. Brilliant. Everybody's happy. I love, we're doing a great job of letting them talk. Mr. Brimmon, uh, I forgot to warn you, please unmute yourself. Um, and I always ask the same question in between breakout rooms, uh, which is tell us the future. In your case, probably going to be easier than most, but uh, what are you excited for? And if the audience hasn't heard about it before, we uh, give you kudos. Thank you. Uh, in terms of what I'm most excited about in the next um, year is overcoming some important legal political milestones with our first host country, which is the country of Honduras. So it seems like we're coming really close to updating the agreement that was signed five years ago with a completely new administration that have previously been very hostile. So that would be a major milestone. We will also be finishing the first batch of towers this year, our first mixed-use tower and activation of our main amenities, beach loop and what have you. So a lot of real estate's coming online. But if I think further in terms of three years on out, I'm very excited about going from one country to multiple countries as a platform. Uh, we are in conversations with other um, national governments that are seeing what we're doing and are interested in, in leveraging large-scale development projects such as cities are as uh, engines of economic development in their respective nations. So I hope to have at least a second country signed up within the next uh, two to three years and then become a multi, multi-nation platform for economic development by building cities uh, at scale. Well, definitely not short on ambition. I love it. Uh, I'm excited to see how this, uh, how this goes and how you grow. Um, Isla, do you have another topic for breakout or tap room number? I most certainly do. Thinking about your own home city, what are some of your pet peeves, things that potentially someone like Eric could, uh, could solve for you? Just discussion item there i'll pop you into rooms now and we'll see you back here in 10 minutes awesome we're gonna do one minute of wrap up and uh be on our merry little way i'm gonna flash this slide up if i can there it is up next uh, i mentioned to the top this is a weekly event come back in six hours nope six days and 23 hours and you can see me again at isla and a new speaker diffuse tap in person november 1st uh land and tops hosting come check her out join the telegram group and introduce yourself great for networking because most of you are here for the networking but some of you are here to learn so mr bremen please how can people find you plug things sure i just posted my email on the general chat please feel free to write me directly just uh if you could reference uh diffuse on the subject line that way i'll i'll not look at it uh first in terms of what uh we would be interested in if anything there's two things but one is uh we are learning about how to best structure our capital stack on this new stage which is not just the startup stage now we're looking more at debt structures and and long-term capital uh, not just venture capital. So anybody that maybe is interested in helping us navigate that, it would be greatly welcomed. Awesome. And for those of you who are listening to this after the fact, the email reference was ebremen, B-R-I-M-E-N, at prospera.hn, P-R-O-S-P-E-R-A dot H-N. Awesome, Eric, really appreciate it. It's You're doing some really cool stuff over there. So thank you for sharing with the audience here and uh, having some some high level and low level conversations about uh, about what you're trying to do. 
Uh, Isla, were there any talking points that I didn't touch on here? No, except for should we all be cheering on Bitcoin right now? Uh... Yeah, go Bitcoin, go. 35. <laughs> 35 gone soon, soon, right? Right at that number. Um, but thank you, everybody, for coming. Hope you met some interesting folks. And um, again, thanks to you, Eric. And we'll see everybody in a week. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. That's all, folks. Hope you learned something new. If you join us on Zoom every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central, you can also network with other fascinating alternative investors from all over the world in small groups of four or five. Learn more on our website at www.diffusefunds.com. Until next time.